When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, believers, non-believers, and everyone in between. You're listening to Stories with Sapphire. I am Sapphire Sandalo. Now get cozy and open your mind because it's story time. Welcome to the first season of my new show, where I'll be sharing a multicultural perspective on the supernatural. If after the show you feel compelled to share a story, need paranormal advice, or want to share interesting paranormal news, send an email to storieswithsapphire at gmail.com. This is an independently run podcast. If you like what you hear and would like to support the show, consider becoming a patron. Visit patreon.com slash stories with Sapphire to see the different tiers and perks, such as a tarot reading from me. And I want to give a huge shout out to my very first patrons. Ali Ball, Alvaro Martinez, Deborah Anaya, Dory Dewberry, Gavin, Joanna Good, Rebecca, Ryan Mangini, Tammy Brassard, and Tanya Robledo. I am so sorry if I mispronounced anybody's name, but thank you so much for supporting the show. It means the absolute world to me. We all have an inner guide, a voice that we consult with when making decisions. Some refer to it as a gut feeling. Others call it our conscience, the universe, God. I've always liked to refer to this voice as my intuition. I let it guide me in all my major decisions, and it has yet to fail me. It was recently that I learned a new way to view this inner guide. The voices that whisper in our ears are the spirits of our ancestors. Indigenous Filipinos believed that when our ancestors pass on, they reside in the spirit realm, which is invisible to most of us, but very much connected. And that's what we'll be discussing in this episode. The ways in which our ancestors teach us and help us from beyond. I hope these stories will inspire you to listen a little more closely and to dig deeper into your own past. Chapter 1. Full Moon Ritual When I was reaching out to people to interview for my podcast, I was referred to a woman named Lynn Pacificar, a Filipino shaman, who you'll meet in the next chapter. She invited me to her home back in January for a full moon ritual. Having never attended one, I had no idea what to expect, but it ended up being one of the most transformative experiences of my life, one that proved that magic is real. I arrived at her home at 6 p.m. with my Tupperware of rice and eggs as my offering for the fire. We sat at the dining table along with her daughter and friend and shared personal stories. I was shocked at how easy it was to talk to these women I had just met. 
I'm usually terrible in new social situations. Hours had passed, and I found myself thinking, so when is this ritual going to begin? And almost as if on cue, Lynn said, Filipina women sitting around a table and sharing stories and food, this is healing. When you spend time with friends and family, it's healing. This is part of the ritual. So the ritual had already begun, and I didn't even know it. She then gave us a tour of her beautiful home. The last room we stopped in was her office. There was a pole in the center of the room. She mentioned that she used to be an exotic dancer and liked to dance when she took breaks from work. She asked if I'd ever done pole, and I said I'd always been interested, but I'm too awkward. And then for the next half hour or so, Lynn taught us some basic moves. This was the last thing I would have expected to do that night, but as if under a comforting spell, I happily participated. Lynn explained that when you dance pole, you work your root chakra and release all this new energy, which will start bringing changes to your life. I had never thought of dancing pole in this way. See, I grew up in a household where my appearance was constantly commented on. If I wore something too feminine, it was deemed sexual. Then I would tone it down and suddenly I was too unpresentable. I had been conditioned to constantly be ashamed of my body, to hide any semblance of curves. But Lynn was demonstrating how to intentionally create curves in our silhouettes. It was a space free of judgment or ridicule. I was able to feel something I hadn't felt before. Pride for the body that I inhabited. It wasn't until about 1 a.m. that her family prepared the fire outside in their yard. It's ideal to wait until the full moon is directly above so the light is bright and direct. Then Lynn took our food offerings, raised them to the moon, and said a prayer to the spirits of our ancestors, thanking them for their wisdom and guidance. When we honor and remember our ancestors, Lynn said, they give us blessings in return and continue to guide us. She poured the food into the fire, and we watched as our ancestors hungrily devoured their meal. Then she put on some music, and we all began dancing around the flames, smudging ourselves with the smoke. The moon controls the tides on earth, Lynn said, and we are 60% water. The moon controls the tides within us. The last moments of the night were the closest to what I had expected the night to be, dancing around a fire and speaking to the moon. But it would not have been as meaningful as it was if the earlier six hours hadn't happened. I was the first to call it a night at around 2 a.m., but before I left, I told Lynn that I couldn't believe that we had all just met that night. And she said, well, the first time we've met in this life, Magic is real. It's the feeling of being uplifted when you spend time with friends. It's the feeling of gratitude for all of your blessings. The feeling of loving every inch of your body. I encourage you all to have your own full moon rituals because everyone deserves magic in their lives. Chapter 2. Allow the Remembering 
Hi, my name is Lynn Pacificar. I am a Katuuran, Visayan shaman, descendant of Apong Mansanat, daughter of Leti and Vikaza of Ilongo and Warai lineage, living on the land of Tongva territory. And I am also the owner, CEO of Herbalaria LLC, which is an ancestral roots movement company connecting community to indigenous traditions through the art of Filipino plant and energy medicine. When Lynn was about 11 years old, her lolo on her mother's side passed away. And he was in the Philippines. He died of a heart attack. And it was really devastating to me because I was super close to him. And actually, I was kind of angry that he had left for the Philippines and lived there because I think he could have stayed with us. And she sent him back because my grandmother, my Lola, she had dementia and she just kept on saying, um, when are we going back to Capis? When are we going back to Capis? So I think it just got to him and he was like, let's just go back home to the Philippines. So anyway, my mom left to the Philippines, went to his funeral, but I had to stay behind And in that, I was really, really devastated and mourning. I felt like I had no closure because I wasn't able to see my my Lolo at his funeral. One day, I got a phone call. The phone was ringing. It was back then. It was like the, the kinds where it had a cord on it and you had to actually press buttons. They had the long cord. And so it was ringing. I picked it up and I hear a shh that kind of a sound normally when you hear that it's like long distance so if you were calling the Philippines back then it kind of had that unclear reception between you and the other person you're calling and so I'm like hello and I hear shh and and within that I heard Lin Lin I was like Lolo oh my god Lolo where are you and I started panicking I was like tell me where are you where are you And then I heard shh, and then it closed out. And there wasn't any other sound. And I hung up and I realized my Lolo had called me from beyond the grave, called my mom immediately at work. I was like, mom, mom, my Lolo called me. He called me to let me know he's okay. And my mom was just in disbelief, but so excited at the same time. She's like, he really called you? I was like, yes. And so she's like crying on the other line because her father physically manifested a a phone call to reach out to me to let him know, to let me know, excuse me, that he's okay. So I had a hard time coping with his loss and I would have dreams about him. But in this dream, I didn't know if it was really sleep or if I was in another realm. So there was this long hallway I was walking down with my Lolo. And I was like, where are we going? He's like, I'm just showing you around. And it looked like all white, kind of misty looking and bluish in color. One door on the right had red light coming from underneath it. And I asked him, Lolo, what's in there? And he goes, don't go in there. And I'm like, okay, why? He's like, you don't want to go in there. I was like, all right. And then as we walked, we continued to walk. The door on the left had a bluish light coming from underneath it. And I go, what's in there? And he goes, you can't go there either. I was like, well, can I go with you? And he's like, it's not your time yet. You have to stay. 
And so I felt kind of lonely and I, I felt really sad that he said it wasn't my time yet because I really just wanted to go peep in and see what was up with the other side. But my, my Lolo is a person of integrity. So I'm guessing that he agreed in order to see me. I can't really see what's on the other side because the spirit realm needs to be seen from the eyes of the individual spirit. You know, like if I told you what it looked like on the other side, that probably isn't like protocol in the spirit realm. So if you hear anyone talking about what the other side may look like, that may or may not be true for you as an individual, because there are many different cultures, there's many different spirit realms. And so we are seeing only one facet to this universe or actually a multiverse. So that's what I learned from my Lolo. And then when my dad died, which was really cool because my dad isn't so much a person of integrity <laughs> when he was alive. So when when I when I do get to see him in, in the dream realm, I'm like, come on, dad, you got to tell me what's up. Tell me what's going on, on the other side. What are you doing? So when he had passed away, I actually was the one who escorted him. His soul was weak when he had passed over. It was a shock for him to have passed on. So um so soon that I had to hold him and bring him into a church in that dream and then later on I asked him well what are you doing now he came into me in, uh, into another dream right and then he goes oh I'm on the bunka I'm like what do you mean he was like oh I'm I'm escorting the souls on this boat which is interesting because we have Philippine mythology where in order to cross over, you have to get on the banca, which is the boat. But you have to wear your tattoos almost like a passport. Like, okay, here's my tattoos. You know, it may not be so, but I mean, that my dad said that, which is pretty cool. I'm like, wow, he's giving me insight. There really is a, a some sort of boat that he had to work on. But he had moved up to that from a previous job that he told me in another dream and said, no, I'm sitting by the, the people before they die. So his job was to sit by a person before they die and help them cross over. Yeah, and then so I've had consecutive dreams where he would tell me what he's up to. And then there was one that was pretty freaky and he said, well, I'm being judged. And I was like, well, if you need me to, to be a witness for you, I will let them know. So I honor his spirit and memory by doing the work I do in this realm as payment for whatever he's done in this realm that wasn't correct and in right um, energy to be that next generation doing right by our ancestors. Whatever my dad couldn't do, I'm doing like a, a hundredfold. This year, I held two Moldavite Solstice Manifestation Oil Rituals for those who own that particular product because it's a very special intention oil that I make once a year during summer solstice. I opened up my house to very few people for this very intentional ritual and ceremony and we had someone come in. We were talking about how spirits were very... Um, present in her life especially her grandmothers but she said that her mom died over a year ago and then she doesn't hear her mom 
I think there was some tension or some sort of resentment between her and her mom when, when the mom was alive. And the moment she indicated she doesn't hear her mom, I hear her mom. I'm like, well, she's saying that she's sorry that you feel this way. It's not that she wanted you to feel that way. It's just that's how she knew best to communicate with you. What's interesting is that her daughter started feeling like, oh my gosh, that's something she would say of, to that nature. And then she began to hear her mom. She's like, oh my gosh, I actually hear her now. Thank you. Like, And at that moment, it was like I lifted the veil between both of them. And this is all part of connecting with your ancestors. So once they become, they graduate to ancestor when they die. But a lot of us lose that connection to our roots and to our ancestral heritage. The closest that we have are our parents, our grandparents, if they're alive. And being able to do this work, even though they're dead, helps us regain some of that information, some of the customs and cultures. You know, we don't need to be anthropologists or historians digging through whatever we have left, any scraps of information we have left that happen to be there. If not, it's already gone because of colonization. But to be that person, to allow the remembering is a great honor and privilege. When people begin to hear their ancestors, and I've, I've gotten this question before, like, how do I hear my ancestors? How do I connect to my ancestors? And my answer is, you need to shut up and be quiet for a moment and stop asking how. Just be quiet and listen and allow them to teach you. And as you go forward in the day, like they'll share their wisdom with you. What would I advise to people who want to start seeing spirits or at least go down this path to being sensitive to spirits? I advise suspending all your disbelief in the first place. Once you suspend it and get rid of disbelief, you have to be open to the possibilities of the universe. And you start opening your eyes to the realms beyond because then you realize like how can I this person be this only when there's multiple realms and universes that live even within your body like every cell is its own universe if anybody studied biology at its core like even your mitochondria is its own organism how are we able to um, have heart cells that can beat individually even like when you take it apart from the heart because it's its own energy so all that space in between once you start seeing the microcosm of everything you start seeing the macrocosm of everything and then really seeing that this is a spiritual realm in the first place this is not just physical we, this is all in its entirety a spiritual realm then you'll start really seeing spirits Lynn has so many more amazing stories and insights that I'll be sharing in future episodes, so this won't be the last you hear from her. If you'd like to learn more about the work that Lynn does, visit her website in the show notes, herbalaria.com. So the work my company is doing, which is essentially me and my husband, is super important to this generation and for the future generations because we are bridging ancient ways to our modern times so that people become rooted again in their ancestral heritages. Right now we are facing 
a Goliath of a corporation. A multi-million dollar company is telling us to cease and desist using our name and conducting business under the name of Herbalaria because they feel our name is too close and similar to theirs. The medicine I bring is not for me. It is for everybody. And so we are looking for people to, whether it's like through money or just promote us, you can buy our products, whatever it takes just to uplift our company and get out there to show this company that they are not us. They are not like us and they are in no way indigenous. So if anybody is interested in learning more about our company, you can go to our website. It's www.herbalaria.com. And you can follow us on Twitter as well. It's at I am Herbalaria and on Instagram at I am Herbalaria as well. Before I became a podcaster and paranormal investigator, I used to be a full-time animator and character designer, and podcasts kept me company while I drew, especially paranormal podcasts. One of my favorites was Jim Harold's Campfire. I would actually be shocked if you hadn't heard of it because it's one of the OGs. In fact, it recently celebrated its 13th anniversary. But if you haven't heard of it, it's a call-in show where ordinary people share their extraordinary stories with Jim every week. The story topics range from ghosts, UFOs, cryptids, and stories that can't be categorized. You're listening to my show right now, so I know that you love non-fictional paranormal stories. Stories involving the serial killer Ted Bundy, or a man who owned a haunted hotel. And also heartwarming stories of deceased loved ones coming back to say hello. Jim Harold's Campfire was a huge inspiration for me. So do me a personal favor and tune in to Jim Harold's Campfire on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to Stories with Sapphire. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Chapter 3, The Pacific, by Jamie Legaspi When tourists talk of the Pacific, they think white sand, bright colors, soft, easy living. Me, a second-gen American, I think of the deep water where the devilfish and crocodiles live, where the Spanish galleons are torn to pieces, spilling our gold back into the Pacific. Haik, my people's sea god, laughs as deep as an earthquake, and thick bracelets on his thick arms glow like he raided them back like a pirate. I ask him, Why do you love me? I don't know anything about you. This is not merely lack of information, for my people were ordered by gunpowder to follow a foreigner's god, leaving me with wounds five hundred years deep. Where there should be stories of a god who comes out of the Pacific, tattooed with crocodile scales and covered in pagan gold, I ask, Haik, my people's sea god, 
to tell me his stories so I can make 50,000 copies and sail them across the Pacific, locked in the wounds in my chest. He laughs, but sadder this time, wrapping gold-heavy arms across my shoulders and whispers, Right, right now. Chapter 4 If You're Still Watching Over Me Our final story comes from Brandy. I read another story of hers in episode 3, He Was Watching Me Sleep. This is another true account about Brandy's mother. My mother was a strong and beautiful soul. She moved all the way across the states and sometimes worked two jobs to give her six children a better life, and although we didn't have much, she made us feel like every day was an adventure. She believed in miracles and projected those beliefs onto all of us. Her bubbly and uplifting personality made us the envy of all of our friends. I gave her the most grief and worry in my lifetime, being the youngest, having six kids myself, failed relationships, and a whole slew of other things, but we were still the closest. I never wanted to make her cry, but I am sure on several occasions because of my lifestyle, I did. As I got older, I changed my life. I started to be more present and there when she needed me. I turned my life around, and I'm so grateful she believed in me and always stuck by my side. We talked on the phone every day. It was like the moment she popped in my head, she called me, and it worked the other way around as well. The end of her life was challenging, when she was diagnosed with cancer. I was watching my once strong, classy mother wither to nothing, while still trying to bring everyone's spirits up. This was hard for me. I felt like nothing could take my hero down. I moved to Washington, two states away, to get things ready for her and my sister before we found out she was sick. Now, I am stuck with responsibilities and raising my grandchildren out here. I traveled back and forth and did whatever I could on a limited budget, getting help from friends and family in which my mother said were little miracles. On two occasions, I was contacted by the hospital telling me to make arrangements, but then I'd arrive by her hospital bedside, telling her, Mama, I'm here. And she came out of what the doctors said was a coma and recovered enough to go home. Another one of her miracles. I stayed long enough to be sure she was on the road to mending before I returned home. The last time I was at her bedside with her, she wanted me to stay longer. This time it was different. It was almost like we both knew. This was it. I couldn't stay any longer. My granddaughter needed me home because her caregiver could no longer take care of her. I remember saying goodbye that day. I laid in her lap on her bed, and she stroked my hair. I started to cry and didn't want to let go of that moment. She was my rock. She took my face in her hands, wiping my tears. She said, Darling, don't you know? I will always be with you. This old body is holding me down. I will be more help to you on the other side. I promised her I would be back in two months. Just hold on until then. And with that, I had to go. 
We talked multiple times on the phone every day, and I could hear her getting progressively worse, to the point of someone having to hold the phone for her. I knew she was holding on for me, but I couldn't change my circumstances at home to go out there sooner. One day she called me. She sounded weak. She asked me to let her go. I sat there on the phone, and the swirl of emotions came over me. And then, a calm. Yes, Mama. I don't want to, but I will let you go. We soon hung up, and I just sat there feeling empty. It was the right thing to do. She was suffering. The next night, at 11 p.m., she was gone. I received the call from my daughter, and she put the phone to my mother's ear, and I said, Mama, I love you. I love you. I love you. Then her body went limp. I dropped the phone and fell to the floor in my kitchen and screamed. I was in a fog for months after that. I didn't feel her. She was gone. Life became a repetitive chore. She took all the color with her. I started to doubt my faith and beliefs in the afterlife that we shared. I was taking my granddaughter to school one morning. We usually liked to listen to music, but not that day. She looked in the mirror and saw, like every day, my eyes were filled with tears. She said, You know, you don't have to worry about your mom. She's fine. She can't be with you yet, but she will be there for you. This took me back. I said, What do you mean? She then began to describe to me what it looked like on the other side. It sounded so beautiful, I didn't want her to stop talking. It wasn't long before I understood what my granddaughter was telling me that day. A while later, my ex started caregiving for a senior center near me. He became very close with one of his patients, a kind man named Ted. He even came to my home a few times on special occasions, and we made him king for the day. He was a two-war veteran, so we were grateful for his service. One day, he saw I had car trouble and told me to take his car. No, 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 I said. I can't take your car. But he was adamant. He said, what the hell am I going to do with it? And with that, he handed me a signed pink slip. My mom had always been concerned about my financial situation since I had so many mouths to feed and I needed a new car but couldn't afford it. This really felt like my mother was intervening. Weeks went on, and one day, my sister needed a ride to the dollar store. I waited in my new car as she went in. I started to miss my mother and wished that I felt her presence near, if only for a moment. Just then, something told me to look at the front of the car. It was weird, but I got out anyway. I don't know why I was standing out in the cold, but there I was. And that's when I noticed the jack-in-the-box head ball on the antenna. But there was something on both sides of the head. Wiping away my tears, my eyes started to focus. There was a J, then the head, and then Y. It spelled out Joy. Joy was my mother's name. After that day, I kept thinking about those words she said to me the last day we were together. 
I will be more help to you on the other side. Now, every time someone helps us or things fall in our laps like a blessing or we're able to help someone else with whatever, we say, thank you, mom. My grandson is autistic, so his understanding of certain things are limited. But I know he sees things on the other side because he tells me, even though he still doesn't get what he's seeing. There's been a few times I have heard him in the other room and one time looking right next to me, he said, Oh, thank you, Mata. Mata is what all my children called my mother. My mother taught me to do my best, love the most, be the smile or kind word or gentle hand that someone might need, and always keep an open mind. I feel blessed to have been able to call her my mother. And if you are looking over my shoulder, I love you, Mama. Now it's time for Spirited Discussion, the part of the show where I answer listener messages, offer paranormal advice, or discuss anything interesting in the news. So today I'd like to talk a little bit about a somewhat controversial documentary called Meeting You that came out of South Korea this February. So a virtual reality company spent eight months building a virtual world and virtual model of a seven-year-old girl who died of leukemia a few years back. The girl's mother then interacted with the virtual version of her deceased daughter. So There's a lot to unpack here. Some people think that this was totally exploitative, um, that this company is taking advantage of a grieving mother for ratings. Others think this is psychologically irresponsible. Um, You know, who knows what the long-term psychological effects of something like this are? Like, does it help or hurt the grieving process? So I've been thinking a lot about this because I think it's pretty interesting. And I actually think... That what this mother was experiencing could be compared to what happens when someone is visited by the spirit of a recently deceased loved one. The people who were in the room filming what was happening, they weren't seeing what the woman was seeing, but the emotions she was feeling were very real. You know, even if it wasn't actually her daughter, it was a representation of her daughter. So when people are being skeptics, when, you know, people claim that they were visited by a dead loved one, you know, they, they usually say, oh, that wasn't really your daughter you saw. You were just looking for signs from them. But for me, I don't think that should matter. If it brings the person comfort and closure in some way, I don't think it should matter what was real or not. Because honestly, what is real? I actually think the best thing about this surge of virtual reality technology is that it's kind of demonstrating to us how nothing is real. You know, with VR, they're able to easily trick our brains with headsets and haptic gloves. And if you think about it, that's exactly what our own brain is doing to us all the time. It's tricking us into believing a certain reality. We all experience the world a little bit differently. Like, sure, there are things, you know, that we've agreed on, like we have a common consensus on that there are, you know, we all see things like in common. But what we see happen is when people have brain damage or um, neurological disorders, their reality is disturbed. My God, I, I think about this shit all 
the time because it just blows my mind. I think a lot of people find it stressful when they think about how everything might just be an elaborate illusion, you know, like the Matrix or whatever. But I actually find it kind of comforting. I believe it was the podcast Invisibilia where they were talking about this woman who had a stroke and then she recovered. But when she had a stroke, she saw everything kind of like as one, like the part of her brain that was able to differentiate objects it was injured. So she saw everything as just one thing. And I just thought that was so beautiful. Again, it's it's just a reminder about how our brains are fabricating our reality for us. But like, what is reality without that interference? Do you know what I mean? Anyways, before I <laughs> take us deeper into this rabbit hole, I'm sure I'll talk about this again on the show. But um, back to the documentary. Um, I think that they should research potential long-term effects of an experience like this. Like, I can see someone easily becoming addicted to this type of program, and then it would prevent them from ever fully moving on. But if it's like a one-time thing for closure, uh, it might actually be helpful, you know? Um, I think that they should follow up with this woman later to see how she feels, you know? Does she feel like it helped her move on faster or actually prolonged the grieving process. What do you think about this? Uh, let me know at storieswithsapphire at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review to help boost the show's visibility. And head to patreon.com slash storieswithsapphire to see the perks you'll receive by supporting the show. How do you honor your ancestors? Let me know at storieswithsapphire at gmail.com. Salamat and good night. Stories with Sapphire is created and produced by me, Sapphire Sandalo. Special thanks to my guest, Lynn Pacificar. The Pacific was written by Jamie Legaspi. If You're Still Watching Over Me was written by Reddit username Crazy Turtle Mama. All other stories and music written by Sapphire Sandalo. For more information on this episode and my guest, visit storieswithsapphire.com.